Hello and welcome to Michael and Ivanka's Grand Podcast, a weekly podcast in which we get together and talk about things that we think we need to talk about and think about. Important things. <laughs> Important things. My name's Ivanka Magic. My name's Michael Forrest. What are we talking about though? This week we're talking about libertarianism. Libertarianism, very popular. Very popular. Uh, growing in popularity at the moment, isn't it? It does seem to be. Makes me think about Ron Swanson on Parks and Recreation. Uh, that's my main reference point. Yes, the, my main thing was is Breaking Bad. Uh, not particularly Walter White, but that guy that came to help him in the lab, the other scientist, he was a libertarian. And I do remember that him his arrival on set uh, causing me to actually Google what libertarianism was. I see. And then it made me go, ugh. <laughs> Just mm. lay my cards on the table at the beginning of All this right. podcast. Well, let's, uh, let's let this music play and then, uh, you know. How are you, Ivanka? Um, Any... Uh, Anything happened this week? Painful? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, uh, you know, I've been, I have taken up running uh, slightly more seriously than I have in previous incarnations of my running career, uh, having read a book that tells you to run slowly, which seems to suit me. So I've really been book. enjoying it. Sounded good. The book. There was a book. Sounded, we're all excited that you've been enjoying it. Yes. It was, it did. So I went for a run. I live, live near the South Downs. Went for a beautiful run on the Downs. Uh, was getting caught up in my technology because I was listening to a podcast and it ended and then I was like, oh, I wonder if Siri will be able to find me another podcast. <laughs> and then I looked at my watch and put my foot in a rabbit hole and mm. fell over with quite a crunch mm. and painfully enough to have to lie on the floor going, first of all, I'm not going to be able to get up. I'm not going to be able to get up. And then grunting a bit, <laughs> doing some deep breaths and going... We need to get this pain out. And then I managed to limp to the road and phone Nick and go, I've twisted my ankle. And he said, do you want me to pick you up? And I said, no, no, I think I'll be fine. And then he went, it sounds like you want me to pick you up. I said, yes, I do want you to pick me up. <laughs> so he came to pick me up and um, I spent the whole day yesterday with my foot up uh, with an ice pack wrapped around it. And I don't know. This, this is why one should not exercise. No, this is why one should pay attention in life and take care. Because <laughs> my first <laughs> response was to be really angry. It was like, ow, that hurts. You idiot. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like running along sort of country roads like that because it's so uneven. I, I get kind of nervous now whenever I'm on anything that isn't just quite level. I get quite nervous. I oh, so cross for myself because it was so beautiful because it was raining yesterday morning and you know whilst everybody thinks sunny days are beautiful you know obviously sunny days are beautiful but rainy days can be beautiful too especially on the south downs with a view out to the sea it's all very mm. atmospheric and I was running along thinking how beautiful is this what an interesting podcast I'm listening to <laughs> la 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 um and as I've talked to my daughter even my because my my uh even my daughter comes up to me and goes, Mummy, I, I hurt myself. Why? Because I wasn't being careful. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, I was definitely not being careful yesterday. Balls. I do. I hate that. Like, because then you're like, well, why am I, that was my exercise. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I'm going to be fat. I'm going to lose all that fitness and all that. Positive. How long am I going to be able to not run for? This is going to ruin my fitness plans oh, and so I did make my friend my friend who uh, is an osteopath and who has treated some famous sporting folk and uh, her suggestion was uh, knowing my character that I should try and get an x-ray anyway because she wouldn't put it past me to walk on a broken ankle um, but I don't think it's you know whilst it is pretty ugly and swollen and it doesn't feel very good at all it's not super painful I don't know if you can have not super faint, painful and be broken. Don't know. Don't know. But yeah, sounds like also hit the arnica, which arnica. arnica. Is that some nonsense from Whole Foods or something? Yeah, I've got arnica gel, arnica pills, arnica and ice, and rising raising the uh, thing. And I went to the doctors and I tried to get an X ray, but 
for the first three days, it classes as an accident and you have to go to A&E. And I think yeah. A&E doesn't need me sitting there with my swollen ankle. I'm not urgent. Um, so if it's still bad in three days, the doctor can write me a referral to a walk-in clinic. Also, a swollen ankle in A&E isn't exactly going to get you put to the top of no. the urgent list. So you are going to be there for 12 hours. So I think I'm better off at home with an ice pack on my ankle with it raised than I am sitting in A&E with my ankle not in ice, not raised, waiting 12 hours to be x-rayed. That did sound like very good advice. That was my logic. <laughs> just like, let's factor in <laughs> that the queuing and waiting will have an impact yeah. on the care. So, so yeah, like, not was, just ignore that. That was my... I, I deduced that um, all on my own. And then I went to the nurse good. practitioner and at my GP's and she poked around and she was like, mm, I think it would hurt more when I poked it if it was broken. <laughs> but uh, it's a reminder to be more mindful and shit like that. <laughs> <laughs> Great, cool. Blech. That's just what you needed. Because that's what I needed. Another. I really needed a reminder. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing my best to channel this into a sort of a not right. That's it. Now I'm never going to be fit. Uh, my ankle's never going to get better. I'm never going to have to run again. So I'm like, well, you know, well, you can go paddleboarding. There's alternatives, but and you're by the sea, so you know you can go in the sea go swimming. swimming. <laughs> I'll be in Croatia for a whole month, so I'll be able to swim oh. every day. There you go. How was your week, Michael? How are you? I was. I shot some video yesterday. I shot a video for my friends. They're very impressive uh, mechanical, modular music-making machine up in Birmingham. You know, I decided I wanted to kind of film interesting music artist friends of mine doing stuff, and I don't think I could have asked for a better content a <laughs> better sort of more interesting stuff to film between the, so yeah i don't know if, if you've i saw the instagram yeah and i did i did so yeah people a bit of background i did do the uh, mechanical techno video if anyone's seen this mechanical techno demonstration graham and i did sort of two years ago ish now i think but that's up to like two and a half million views and it went it properly went viral on that day it was kind of trending on reddit video oh wow and all this stuff and we think and but we just made this thing that was it was supposed to be like, um, have you seen that show, Look Look Around You, that's a sort of pastiche of those school, the videos you'd watch at school like about science and things like that. No. So there'll be someone kind of drawing on a board and doing a, put the thing near the thing, but uh, Look Around You was, it was Peter Serafinowicz, um, who, if you don't know him, he's got very good stuff on his YouTube of him doing a sort of camply voicing Donald Trump's speeches. Right. Um, so there's a connection there, um, which is just sometimes the only way that you can bear to hear the words of Trump is via someone else to putting a funnier voice on, a funnier, I say, a stupid voice on to kind of like, you're like, oh my God, but he's actually saying this as well. Um, but anyway, so we, d we were sort of doing this kind of low key kind of, it was just sort of a pencil comes into the shot and points at a thing and he demonstrated each thing. Uh, one at a time and it was all very kind of it was supposed to be funny but in a very very subtle way but it just ended up going crazy and we didn't really well it went around all the music electronic stuff straight away but then it just kind of got wider and wider and we well we discovered this um, ASMR community for the first time through that which is um audio sensory something stimulation something or other that where, where people listen to sort of really quiet like close to microphone sounds so you sort of I'm going to crinkle some paper into the microphone now and I'm going to simulate some, some, some ASMR for you now, listener. Bubble wrap. <laughs> How does that make your does that make your hair stand up, listener? <laughs> anyway, we, uh, so I think we kind of ended up connecting with that world and, and we'd recorded Foley, we'd kind of been careful with the sound and I even sort of, the pencil is drawn across a record and it sort of goes <laughs> from sort of left to right. But we think that's what kind of got, because it's quite a slow video. But anyway, that, that kind of went viral. Um, and so I've been 
We did another one since that, and then, yeah, this one is a much more... But that machine was uh, turntable records with, like, little pegs in them and things and sort of, like, distorted so that they would trigger drum triggers and trigger, like, make a beater hit a cowbell and things like that or make a synth play or, you know, trigger a drum machine. So that was quite kind of an interesting-looking project. But this new one is kind of order of magnitude. of It's these large wooden boxes on like steel pipes and wheels with it and it's sort of this huge drive shaft and you push the wheeled boxes up against this drive shaft and it makes a thing spin around which one of them like pumps bellows and then you plug in a sort of like an organ pipe into that and it kind of blows through the organ pipe and then another one sort of like different cogs and cams that connect to it's sort of geared up and then that's got a drumstick on it and it hits a different thing. You sort of line up all your you know, your sort of physical drums against it and it hits those drums, weird little barrels and just lots of things spinning around. And it's it's sort of quite pretty as well and it's very colourful and we so yeah, we sort of got hold of this sort of warehouse looking space. And yeah, we just spent yesterday just hell for leather shooting this quite a few pages of script. <laughs> just we needed to get a lot of stuff and it was me kind of manning two or three cameras and then um, we had all the audio to record and we had lots of things to demonstrate. Um, but yeah, we got through it pretty well, but it was absolutely exhausting <laughs> doing that. It's just you're kind of on your feet and just sort of like really kind of tense all day because you can't really afford to make any mistake with um, kind of messing up the video recording or audio recording because Sam Underwood has this crazy well he's got a workshop and then another studio with he's got quite a lot of space but he's like right out in the middle of nowhere and like um, if we'd made any mistakes and had to do it again it would have meant two hours just driving to get there and back and loading yeah, yeah. it all up taking everything up these big stairs and just it, it was it was it was a lot of pressure on that recording going well because we you know we weren't really going to get any do-overs so you're kind of worried about you know batteries are running out and you know things are flashing and it's like oh this, this is acting up and you're just so that's quite it's just quite intense but I think we got everything we needed and I'm I've got to edit it now and kind of consolidate it all and bring it together and hopefully we will have you know, the dream is we uh, we do even better than last time, but at the same time, I, I think it's probably... I think that, that just caught some weird kind of thing that we didn't even know anything about. So I'm sure I'm sure this will go... I'm sure people will be interested in this, but you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Well, but I've got a few days. Even a couple work. of seconds on Instagram are quite... They're quite fascinating, and unlike anything else I've seen. <laughs> I don't know who else is doing anything like this. Mm. And, the, and the whole thing is, this thing can just kind of grow. As, and they've, they've, you know, they've got a lot of ideas about it. But anyway, so it's, it's an interesting project, and mm. that's going to be my life for a few days. I, I was glad I had that project to do, just because uh, I'm still having a bit of a depressing time. At the, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm in a sort of strange... Um, in between committing to, you know, I'm not sure what I'm trying to do with my life at the moment. And it's it's kind of, it's, it's been bringing me down a bit, just trying to just make sense of it and still not really clear on what I want to do. But I always tell people the best way to get out of depression or feeling low is to do something for someone else and just focus on someone else's thing for a bit. So, you know, the morning that I was like, what am I going to do to get out of this, this slump? I was like, oh, well... I could just go up to Birmingham because I kind of start on that early and do some interviews with the guys and, you know, kind of get rolling on that and just not think about my stuff at all. Shall we talk about libertarianism? <laughs> yes, let's. Yes. Go on then. Let's talk, start. Should I start talking about libertarianism? Yeah, because it sounds like you've been reading about it and stuff. Well, I've, read, I've, read, like, a well, I've read a couple of things. Yeah. <laughs> I've read a couple of things. Uh, because uh, I've had this wonderful golden opportunity of having to keep my leg raised and iced, <laughs> <laughs> which has enabled me to uh, find, re do a little bit of Googling around libertarianism. Mm. And uh, so uh, going back to what... I originally, you know, my, my point of reference for libertarianism, which is uh, Breaking Bad, for those of you who don't know, it's about making <laughs> the, drugs. The, uh, yeah. Making and selling drugs. Um, 
they since because libertarianism obviously with the word liberty at the beginning comes from freedom which sounds lovely doesn't it everyone seems to you know freedom is an aspirational thing certainly we are very keen on getting our freedom yes we are freedom from the oppression of work happening yes there is some building work happening in the background freedom from loud outdoor building noises (laughs) not something we're currently enjoying but listeners Just, you know, it's, just Bear with us. It. But, you know, it does sound really lovely, libertarianism. You know, freedom, freedom to do what you want and how you want it. Freedom to be prosperous. Freedom mm. f- to be, I don't know, freedom. Um, but it seems to be freedom to, yeah, and I'm going to put my judgment right up front here. It seems to be freedom to not give a stuff about anyone else mm. or the consequences of your actions both on individuals and on society and on mm. the planet and on the world and on the universe <laughs> it's like i can do what i want when i want i want the freedom to just not care is how mm. i interpret it any libertarians out there happy to be challenged but uh, that's how i read it in a mm. in sort of market free market terms there's this expression which i always thought was a a gentle uh, it's the laissez-faire or however you pronounce the french but it's basically freedom to just do uh, which is quite interesting. So it's like to or to let it do or let it happen. Um, so so that all transactions, all all sales, all production is done between individuals with no involvement from government or any organisation. So therefore, no regulations, no restrictions. Which is why some people have an objection to free movement of people as part of the EU, because it is a kind of neoliberal thing, though neoliberalism Mm. is a different topic. It's kind of a free for all. And then you've got this sort of absence of regulation, which even covers things like the fact that in in America land under the brave new banner of new politics, they're letting asbestos back into the into building work. The, the Environmental Protection Agency has lifted the ban on asbestos, even though it's proven to make people Cause die horribly slowly. Of cancer. Yeah. Actual cancer. Actual cancer causing substance. But let's not worry about it because so you... someone wants to sell it, someone wants to buy it, let them do it. So how did that? How did this come about? I don't like, know. Is it I've under just... Trump? Is of it... course, yeah, it's under Trump with his new non-environmentally aware environmental protection agency people you know he now gives so, jobs to people who are all about the money elect me get cancer yeah awesome yeah and you know I, and i you know you read about some of the libertarian sort of i've found a couple of libertarian think tanks and you know is strongly associated with conservatism particularly because socialism has this association with that power should be given to government rather than, you know, power and ownership should be to government as a representative of a community rather than to mm. the individual. Um, but so I, but I just find that, you know, that, that all that's all very well. <laughs> and it, but it's, how can you rub along in society without... Because that, because it means no laws at its extreme. There's this funny article. Well, you know, like a satire in the, in the uh, the New Yorker, which talks about the libertarian police department, and you know, it opens with. I was shooting heroin and reading the fountainhead in the front seat of my privately owned police cruiser when a call came in. I put a quarter in the radio to activate it. It was the chief. You know, it's like everything's up for sale everything costs money everything is privately owned you can do a shoot up heroin if you want to um mm-hmm. you know that it, it's that sort of what i do in the privacy of my own home <laughs> my you know. business and but yeah it's it's the absolute yeah disregard for the effects on anyone else yeah, isn't it absolutely um, it's like you know we've had a, a loft conversion in our house and we had to spend a lot of money putting in a sprinkler system mm-hmm. for the to meet fire eggs and you know part of mine's like what business is it of anybody's whether i die horribly in a fire <laughs> you know it's like <laughs> if i want to die horribly in a fire that's my problem and it's like because it was that or put a wall in and create a fire escape but um 
but we wanted to keep the open plan nature of our home. But, you know, if my house did catch fire and I died or somebody staying in here died, there's nothing to say the house next door wouldn't also catch fire. And, that, you know, it's like it, you can't live in a... It, it is not... You're not in. You're not isolated. You're not isolated. It's so impossible tough. to be isolated. <laughs> and maybe in the Wild West, when you galloped on your horses and raced really fast to put a claim in a piece of land and there were, you had no neighbours for miles... A little bit of your life was quite isolated. So if you chose to carry a gun or shoot people, you know, kind of... Uh, but that was the Wild West. They were lawless. People were dying all the time. That's why they call it the like, Wild West. <laughs> so... Because it was scary. It is scary. <laughs> so the, the idea of... And, you know, I've been thinking about it. If we do de- devolve into a truly libertarian society... I think I'll be all right. <laughs> well, I, I don't know, mind chucking some rocks at people. I don't know. It's just such. Well, a... no, but it but it changes. It changes what your skill set needs to be to start to have to encapsulate things like subduing assailants on a regular basis, which isn't my idea of a society. No. Like I would much rather delegate to that to someone in a hat that kind of comes around when I call a telephone number. Yep. Exactly. Like why? Why do I have to do? Because it's, it's sort of like that. Yeah, I could probably. Yeah, I could try and do everything myself. I could be self-sufficient. I mean, but then I wouldn't have time to do any, you know, you just spend your whole time just... Doing everything. Kind of surviving, <laughs> yeah, wouldn't yeah, you? Yeah, and yeah. So, what, what, and where's the... I don't know, it's kind of certain, in a, on a certain level, sort of lacks imagination, doesn't it? If that's, if that's, you know, you want to make your life about surviving instead of your life about... Creating. Doing something a little bit more... Yeah, creating. I think that's things. what... I mean, that's kind of the... And it, it's like, if we... And, you know, yes, you could level this argument at the EU that it's full of regulation and you do have to you do have to make sure that your medicine has been properly tested on human beings and is fit for consumption, that your food is fit for human consumption. And it, it constantly builds on what we know about what is healthy and what is good to prepare good ways to prepare Mm. food that we don't damage the environment too much that using asbestos will cause cancer that you know yes but and you could say oh well but do we really need this level of health and safety on a thing Mm. haven't they gone crazy it's you know political correctness gone mad it's health and safety gone mad but all it's all it's trying to do is sort of document things turn things into regulation and law as we learn that they're good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But and, and you and then you get someone to so Donald Trump is sort of, you know, wants is in favour of deregulation, but he's also sort of like anti drug dealers. Yeah. But so what so obviously you you want to draw the line somewhere. So can we, you know, there's you're not getting rid of the line. Unless you're going to say, okay, well, we'll just have open, you know, crack dealing in in the streets because that's, you know, the nature of of the direction that you want to go. But he obviously isn't going to go that far. So you've made you've got to make a decision at at what scale and maybe stuff that gives you cancer is on the wrong side of that thing to kind of deregulate. I mean, it doesn't take a genius to uh, know that, to realise that. And how has the EPA managed... You know, obviously we grew up knowing that asbestos equals cancer. Didn't the people in the EPA grow up that way as well? How, how, you know, how does this They're not going to get cancer. Well, they're never going to go into one of these buildings that gives you cancer. Like, why? It's, It's a mess. I think Berlin's quite a libertarian city. Like, I, I, I was often sort of a little bit annoyed at just how people... So, for example, like you, go to, you go through the park in the summer and it's just thick smoke because every, like, 200 people are having a barbecue just wherever they feel like doing it. And you just go, what? what? This is just horrible because everyone's just doing whatever they want, and you you sort of wish there were rules about you know not doing that. Just and there's areas in the city as well where it's just debris everywhere, and then like these tents, and everyone's just sort of like living in a tent. Or you see people out on the river, and they're just sort of doing. And and I think a certain a certain level of that's nice. Just like okay, there's no one kind of telling you you can't do this, but well, there's the fact that they smoke indoors still. 
was probably the worst one for me. Like, what is this? Like, why why is this still happening? Like, just because you want to smoke, I have to now have my evening and clothes ruined. You know, I have to wash them again. Um, it just it seemed kind of sort of selfish. Yeah. And I get angry about libertarianism when it affects me in a negative way, and you know, that's well, why we do have these rules so that we're forced to think about these things, even if in the moment I'm going to be like, oh no, why are you telling me what I can do, what I can't do? It's because it affects other people, and you might not have considered that. But it, I mean, it's things like so if you remove the rules. So I've always thought of Berlin as liberal, not libertarian. But so I don't, you know, I don't know how to, to comment. It's like. Brighton is a very liberal city, but I'm not. I wouldn't say it's libertarian. Well, I wouldn't have used the word libertarian, but then I was thinking about it, and it, I think there is a bit of that. Like, people just like, ah, I'm just going to do whatever I want. I mean, they're not. I don't think there's people with guns walking around. No, I think, <laughs> you know, I, think I think Brighton just... stills on the. I, I think there's some elements of liberalism or liberal thinking or open-minded thinking, like around, um, you know, inclusion of different people in society, not excluding people of, you know, because of sexual orientation um, and drug consumption, sure, uh, drinking, that kind of stuff. That mm. it's sort of liberal and open-minded to say, well, you know, if it's not harming anyone else, but then. As we all know, the drugs trade harms many people. So, mm. Mm. but my neuro linguistic programming <laughs> responds to the word, or certainly used to respond to the word, word libertarian with a sort of like open, you know, like this is an open thing. It's about freedom. Um, but with the sort of politics behind Brexit, the, the ambitions of it is to deregulate. So when you walk into a shop at the moment, I trust, I can trust reasonably well that the food I am buying is safe yeah. and doesn't have yeah. any particularly but there might be some chemicals in it that we haven't yet worked out if they're good for you or bad for you and there might be some stuff in there that is potentially controversial like genetically modified stuff that people aren't um I don't personally I'm not but that's a different topic. But you know, there's the yeah, stuff, yeah. but you can make informed decisions. You can go, right, this is organic. This was a friendly farm, you know, animal welfare friendly farm. This was mm. a, this is cheap. This is, for, you know, like this is, this, this was packaged in England. This has flown from yeah. Peru. You can make some informed choices. Now, if we're going to have no regulation, what is there going to be to force food manufacturers and sellers of food to do anything other than go, mm, try this, it's delicious. <laughs> it's like, you know, or even like the traffic light systems on food, The this is really bad for you, but you're welcome to eat it. I'm happy with that. That's enough libertarianism for me. We have put loads of sugar in it. It's up to you. But even that potentially is libertarianism too far because it does affect society it costs us when people are really eating you know unhealthy yeah it comes down to the you know the short-termist thinking or kind of like what your immediate perception is and just kind of valuing that over learning and the body of knowledge and yeah, the yeah, yeah. kind of the importance of society and that like government isn't separate I mean, it shouldn't be like government just well, but I think in the same way that the government is should be the people, yes, just making decisions in the same. I think companies is, should be the people in the company, but obviously it sort of works a bit differently when you because the one person with the money to start it is the one that's kind of getting everything out the end of it. But I, I, I think we kind of want to rail against these things that seem external but we need to see them as part of as us and then it becomes a different thing it's like okay well another part of me did notice that something was carcinogenic the assumption is that all government or central control is bad that is the assumption yeah. behind libertarianism, that having a degree of control over certain things or a degree of regulation, control itself has a, has a very negative implication. But regulation mm. just says, let's all agree that we're not going to put poison in food for human consumption. OK, yeah. yeah, cool, right, we've all agreed, carry on. There is much wrong with government, but I think the principle yeah. of a government existing that is 
there to regulate against badness <laughs> is yeah. not a negative one. I mean, there, there was a thing on the radio this week about um, the, a lot of paediatricians have got together trying to put pressure on the government to change the advertising regulations because even though fast food aren't allowed to advertise on children's TV and children's channels, they can advertise on pre-watershed family programming, so on mm. X Factor and all those kind of things. Right. And so there's a pressure to say that all that advertising for fast food and junk food and all that needs to be pushed beyond family watching, so mm. where really children are very unlikely to see it, mm. um, because we need to protect them. Well, it's not just children seeing it either. Well, no, like but... Adults, like everyone, I just... But, you <laughs> I, know, th- I, I think, like, to... we got rid of smoking adverts. I think we should get rid of, like, freaking chocolate bar adverts well, as well yeah. at a certain point. Have you watched that Hugh Fernley Whittingshaw, Whitting... Sorry, Hugh, I can't... Your surname won't go in my head. That thing on sugar, because he goes on about... You know, it's quite interesting. You don't have to... It doesn't take ages to watch. But on the subject of the sugar industry and how it's pushed at us. Like when you walk into WH Smith's, can I have a newspaper? Do you want three chocolate bars for a pound? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I'll have, I might have one, uh, but, but three for a pound. Yes, but I don't want three. <laughs> like, Jeez. Giving out samples in shops is just, yeah, because when you eat something sugary, it then creates an aftertaste that can only be satisfied by eating more of that stuff. So don't, Come at me with your little samplers of heroin <laughs> and act like you're doing me a favour. Like, I hate that. Uh, no, thank you. Oh, but it's free. Is it, though? <laughs> uh, have a taste of this ice cream. It's free. Is it, though? No, you're just trying to kind of break the seal on me, cra- like, just eating a bucket of ice cream. <laughs> Thanks, you're so generous. <laughs> you're trying to make me fat. Well, I want to talk about this um, gun ownership. Right. And just general weapon ownership, which is a big problem in the US. But actually, there is someone I know that has a gun collection, like crossbows and things like that. And it is, this is someone that kind of puts on this sort of like macho thing and says, yeah, I've got my, I've got my weapons. Um, but what that is a display of is fear. Yes. It's like... But which comes from distrusting sort of authority, a distrust of government. Because if you distrust the police, then of course you've got to have a gun because they've got guns. But if you, you know, if, if you're in, living in that world of fear for your life, then, well, A, don't try and dress it up as some macho freedom thing. Be honest about it, which is you're scared of the government coming into your house and stealing your stuff because that's what you're actually... And I don't know, it's, it's to me, the things that gun owners think about themselves are actually, like if you examine it, a completely kind of... What's the, the, the opposite of their values. They're just afraid of something that we're not afraid of. So this thing about fear is is that 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 is kind of proven by science in a real article on the internet that I found and shared mm. which is that it is about fear and so a, a, a situation that I might react to so I am aware because I'm a thinking reading person that there is all is not brilliant in the police force there are people with prejudices mm. they have a terrible history of racism and all this kind of thing what I am willing to say is that I want a police force, so how can I help make this police force better? Do, mm. You know, like, how do, what do we do? Yes, I can criticise it. Yes, I can share, like, reading that why I'm not talking to white people about race anymore thing, the mm. book is, um, you know, gives you plenty of examples of what's wrong with, with society, but it doesn't say let's throw it away. It doesn't say, right, let's all tool up and go for a fight, um, you know, mm. go and smash up the police station. It's like we need to edu- we need to move beyond this. This is a thing we've identified that's bad. Let's make it better, not let's put a tin hat on and, and get some guns. And it is a weird, yeah. it, you're totally right, that it's a really weird conflict of somehow these people that have got loads of guns look, you know, like want to be associated with as brave, macho people and i think there's women and men Mm. in this but it is a particularly Mm. seems to be a manly thing 
But actually, all, they're showing how afraid they are all the time. And yeah. imagine how tiring life would be if you were that afraid all the time. I suppose that the swagger comes from the fact that now you do feel like you can protect yourself, right? You do have the strength to protect yourself, which you didn't feel before. Um, but there is a difference between those sort of like, you know, your Charlton Hestons who are like kind hands. of flagrantly, I'm a, yeah, like I'm a, I, you will never take my gun from me sort of thing versus like, you know, um, an oppressed minority, oppressed kind of members of society kind of, getting a gun because they're scared but they will that they're not allowed yeah. but what so one gets to be called libertarianism and the other one just gets Crim to be called yeah. crime and is there a real difference not really it's just about but ironically that you know the people whose fear is more justified are the ones that are going to then get thrown in prison for exercising their libertarianism by the people that don't really need that because they're already kind of fine. Yeah. You know, Charlton Heston, you're going to be <laughs> fine. No one's coming to your house to murder you. Well, they might, I don't know. <laughs> but that's but. not... A, your gun's unlikely to save you in that situation anyway. Mm. So I think this fear thing is... a. I mean, certainly applies to gun ownership, for sure. Um, and then, it, yeah, I, I think you're right. We've now got... I'm just going to say about... Just for the listeners... <laughs> It's now raining on my on my roof as well, so this episode is going to be is going to be you're going to have to just ignore filter out some work sounds from Ivanka's side and some rain sounds from my side. I'm really sorry. I, there's nothing I can do about it, unfortunately. Don't. Just forgive us and hopefully you know. 37 episodes before this have been pretty okay. So, <laughs> so just bear with us. Give us this one week of just annoying the, sound. Uh... Whenever people do talk about this on podcasts, I can never hear the sound they're talking no. about. So maybe it's maybe fine. It's the, um, the, uh, on the positive note, though, if it, if it gets a bit heavier, the rain here, it will stop the roofers. <laughs> if someone has an exceptionally kind of strong moral core... So this is the Ron Swanson character on Parts and Recreation. He sort of gets away with his libertarian ideals by having an exceptionally sort of solid moral core where he would never hurt anyone, he would never do a bad thing, and he's impatient with how inefficient government is. He's in, you know, he, he is utterly pri protective of his privacy. He's utterly sort of like, you know, gun-owning, hunting. He, want, he will do what he wants, but we forgive him because he has this unshakable moral core. Now, how many real-life libertarians... How many li real-life libertarians can you, could you really say that about? I don't know. I'm, I'm all, sure they'd yeah. all like to think of themselves like that. But, you know, when push comes to shove, you're probably killing people that you well, should, the, the, by the, mistake, before you're doing anything to protect yourself. I, I think the key thing is this, and I think we do need to do the episode on capitalism, because the key, the key mm. thing in this libertarianism, I think, is this pursuit of um, wealth. There's this pursuit of prosperity, which means that, and this is where we go back again, to I think, to the super rich, you know, our favourites, because there's something, there's a couple of things within that. There's one, why can't you have a company that is profitable but doesn't damage the planet, for example, or is kind to its employees or mm. is considerate of it, the town that it's in? Or, you know, why, yeah. do you really, is that extra 3%, 5%, 10% profit really worth... Or even fifty percent profit, or twenty. You know, like, what's yeah, the yeah, number yeah. that's worth pursuing so much that the impact on the environment, society, people, your employees is worth it? So, how much more important are your needs yeah, really this, than and, and, everyone else's? And else beyond is. a certain level, how much more money do you need to make? Why is this pursuit of, of, of money so important to you that you're willing to sacrifice all these other things, not just for yourself, but for all of us? Because your power is so great, like an mm. Amazon, a Google, an Apple, a, you know, all these big companies have so much mm. power over us. You know, I was saying that, you know, yes, there's things with the police force, but let's address them. The thing about climate change and the state of the planet and pollution that's... <laughs> 
really freaking me out, and there's no other expression for it, is that we're past a point of no return now with climate change. Mm. And we are still, and I say we, because, and by that I mean the whole world. <laughs> I know I personally am yeah. not blatantly going around, but I'm put myself in the mix. And I, I read a Naomi Klein article, uh, which was quite interesting on this topic, but we're just like the teenagers at the party going, yeah, I feel really dizzy and really sick, but I'm going to have another beer because, you know, and it's just, there's a point at which I think we have to have central regulation that says, I'm sorry, you can be as rich as you like within the confines of not destroying the planet. That's got to be the minimum, surely. My response initially to what you're saying is that you've got to make more money because you've got to, you're keeping score and you want to win. But so that's why it's interesting to me that Ron Swanson is very secretive about he has a mysterious amount of wealth. Like he he's not even necessarily sure how much gold he has buried around the place, which is you know, that sort of privacy about and being really protective about how much you have is a bit different to that sort of capitalist, that competitive sort of, um, I've got to make money because there's no other way of proving to my dad that I'm okay. But yeah, money equaling freedom, I suppose. But do you think like that privacy is a, is a, core part of what of libertarianism or is that oh, just, I think yeah. pri- I was thinking about privacy and how because off the back of our blockchain conversation I um because I, I struggle I struggled with that a bit now no longer because I'm ignorant but rather because this I'm not sure I'm not excited by it I have maybe I, I haven't yet maybe in a couple of weeks I'll come up with some amazing application for it but in the meantime it what it's made me think about that decentralization, the lack of regulation, and then privacy comes up to it. And as an amusing side note, living in a failing Yugoslavia in the late 80s, the whole population mm. accepted that their phones were being tapped. <laughs> it was right. like, you know, you'd make a phone call and then you'd hear this click and an echo and you'd be like, all right, mm. hello. <laughs> Obviously you never got a response. Mm. And it, it was kind of a just an accepted thing that, of course, the government would be monitoring and intercepting post mm. and post would disappear and your phone line was a bit wonky and all this kind of stuff. I've always kind of assumed that someone's probably listening, though, when I use anything <laughs> like that. I don't, write, I don't write, it, write certain types of stuff on Facebook uh, Messenger. And and to some extent, I think some of this new regulation where basically everyone has to save all the data because the government may one day want to read all your whatever Mm. you've done, that's a step too far. I think they should at least have to make the effort of planting a bug in your house or intercepting your post or whatever. You know, I think I I think I, I should be able to destroy my secret notes. But. But again, I, I, I personally, I don't really know where the line is. So I am quite a private person, despite my sort of podcast, for example. <laughs> if you mm-hmm. ever, but it's like, I'm not entirely sure where the line needs to be. Because it seems like mm-hmm. medical records and... But, you know, if you've got lots of people's medical records, that data can be very useful for advancing medicine. Like, Well, it comes down to trust, yeah. doesn't it? It comes down to how much you trust the people with it, uh, how your levels of trust versus fear, I really think, is the core of this. And the distrust leads to, OK, well, if I can't trust anyone, like if I can't trust institutions, then I can only trust myself. It doesn't lead to a coherent society. No, no, no. And I think that's the point, the coherent society. I mean, even manners, so there's extra special drilling going on right now. Um, cool. Even manners, they're no longer a centrally controlled construct, but they're kind of a regulation <laughs> that says, you know, Make eye contact, nod your head, morning, excuse me, thank you, mm. please, may I? You know, that sort of like, let's stand in a queue. <laughs> These are all yeah. things that if we didn't, every shop would look like a Black Friday video from America. <laughs> you know, people like trampling over each other to buy cheap shit that they don't need. You know, it's like a, these conventions exist to make everybody's life more tolerable more coherent Mm. i mean i don't see that as a bad thing personally when something isn't immediately apparent to you you have to just accept that someone else knows better than you or that the the rules are there for a reason but 
I suppose the more we learn about the world, the more it becomes exposed, the harder it is to just accept that, you know, that things are being done in our best interests at all times. So I guess it's sort of like a backlash to... It's like instead of trying to become part of the institutions, it's, OK, well, I'm just going to rail against the institutions because they have been proven time and time again to be untrustworthy. You want to bring libertarians back to, you know, society. And the only way to do that is to rebuild trust in institutions yeah. or in the fact that they'll, they will have a voice in the institutions, in, in the state. And so, yeah, this trust building thing is hard, but that's that's the only way to come back from this. Or you just try and force gun regulation, you try and force people to do things, but that's just going to make them fight even harder. Yeah, I mean, I think we're talking about all these things as though government does have everybody's best interests are and they do look after everybody there's some assumptions that have used the racism in the police force that may or may not mm. be on the wane i've got no statistics for today but the uh, before anyone picks on me but the um mm. but there is this thing like especially at the moment in this country and why you know libertarian uh philosophy might be more easily gaining traction is because the government has not been doing a very good job of looking after mm. its most vulnerable. You know, Oster we've got all these local councils going bust and declaring mm. that they can only afford to provide the minimum mandated things. So, you know, and your council does all your bin collection and your road repairs and your, you know, like if that all starts going to shit, we will be descending into a Wild West libertarian society where the towns that have money and bother mm. to club together to fix these things will, and the ones that don't, won't. But never mind, we will be free of regulation. Yeah, and people need to connect the fact that if you vote for promises, you know, benefits for the very unlikely case that you will be fabulously rich or yeah. something, that, that if you vote wrong then that's what you get <laughs> if you vote against your best interests which you are doing if you're kind of voting for people that want to not look after you yeah when you need it then you're going to end up with them not being able to do their job and then you're going to not trust them to do their job and then you, you but you, how do you connect that back to the fact that well maybe i shouldn't have voted for these let people, this person yeah. in yeah 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 you know Choose better leaders or stockpile cans of beans and guns. I mean, I know which one I'd rather yeah. have. No, so it's up to you. Like, I think I think it's this basic. So there's lots of articles around the moment about democracy's broken and it doesn't work. Da, da, da. Mm. I think democracy requires the active participation of its citizens. And if there's no active participation in the process and people don't vote or they don't inform themselves before they vote or they don't have... Then, yeah, democracy doesn't work. But what I've, what I've, I've realised from, you know, talking to you every week about stuff is, yeah, you only get a vote every so often, but people, the person who has been elected still has to listen to you, <laughs> to anything you have to say. So your, your opportunity to influence things does not begin and end at voting and whether or not you voted you can still you can still email you can still tweet at people who aren't doing a good job and affect things they have to like take it into mm. account and that's something you know it's not just this kind of binary once every five years thing it doesn't have to be that no. way um, so participation isn't just like voting and trying to figure out who to vote for it's which I it in, not that I've done this, but it's something that I didn't realise, and I'm 40, that was that, oh, it doesn't just begin and end at voting, which it's too much pressure on that thing, <laughs> you know, if you're not sure and if you kind of think they're all the same. But you can still, you know, communicate with the people and give them ideas and make them aware of, force them to empathise with yeah. you. And the more people that are doing that, that you know, that will improve democracy. It will, yes, you ha and you have to go, you, you can go and talk to your local MP and you can, I mean, my family, are quite, we're quite good at that. 
Well, it's Hi. usually <laughs> me again. It's, it's, it's usually sort of like people. It tends to be associated with crazy people, and the, yeah. the people in the community crazy enough to turn up to the local government meetings and try and say something. So yeah, it's just sort of immediately like ignored. But if if you're smart and you make a good point, I feel like there's opportunities. Yeah, I think. There. Uh, influence yeah. things i think that's what one of yeah i don't know i in all of this like, i have moments of of optimism like in the way that you know boris johnson this week i think he's hoping to swerve any repercussions from his telegraph article he um published an article where he talked about women who wear the burqa it was just school playgroundy behavior frankly from somebody who apparently allegedly has aspirations to be our prime minister uh, one thing that gives me optimism is the fact that perhaps boris johnson will not be able to hide because the population can put a lot of pressure on the visible pressure noisy pressure on the conservative party to deal with him a Tory peer woman who's a muslim she said that he's basically yeah. he she called it apparently it's a thing dog whistling to right wing extremists because he's kind of you know throwing in a little jive that's not super you know it's unacceptable but Mm. it's not massively offensive well anyway it's not like anyway I don't know how how to phrase that how to describe it but it's it's kind of printable in the press it's not hate speech so it's not a crime but it's enough to go I'm in your gang hi follow me and you know that's what's terrifying about it you know that's that sort of Mm. i want to be leader at all costs thanks for listening to the podcast everybody if you like it then please get in touch and tell us. More importantly, tell your friends so they too can enjoy the wondrous podcast that is the Grand Podcast. <laughs> now that we have, well, nearly 40 episodes, you can maybe recommend your favourite one to them mm. so that they don't have to try and figure one out. I still imagine people going, these subjects all seem like a lot of effort to <laughs> listen to. But just reassure them that it's, yes, it's fine. It's good. It's fun. It's not just it's not homework. It's it's just fun to listen to. Um you can find us at grandpodcast.com and our email address is hello at grandpodcast.com. But where can people find you individually? You can Ivanka? find me at Ivanka on Twitter. Uh, you can find my website, my main website, michaelforestmusic.com. And uh yeah, just click on our website, subscribe, click that button. It's good. And um yeah, well um well I yeah, we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye, bye, bye. 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 bye.